Amen. Welcome to Grace Church. Um, man, if it's your first time here visiting with us, we, we welcome you. Hope you feel right at home. As you can tell, the snow has scared off a lot, a lot of people. All right. But uh, I just want to say thank you for being here. And uh, we're trusting and believing that God is going to speak to you this morning and is going to bless you for being here. Uh, my name is Justin Ross. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace. And uh, once again, welcome to Grace Church. We have been in the book of Proverbs the last two weeks, and the first message in this series was titled, Acquire Wisdom. Like, get all the wisdom that you can in 2017. Acquire wisdom. And we answered the question of, how do you do that? How do you get wisdom? And we kind of jokingly talked about how wisdom isn't just floating around in the air, and if you sniff it, you know, you're going to get wiser, or you, you, you can't just uh, get wisdom without trying. You have to seek after it. You have to pursue wisdom. So how do you get wisdom? We learn that wisdom starts with God. Okay, The Scripture says that the fear of the Lord... The fear of God, the recognition of God, knowing who God is, the respect of God, just being aware of His presence is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. We also talked about the difference between wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I put it this way, knowledge is book smarts. Uh, Wisdom is street smarts. And understanding is when you mix the two together. Okay, we've all known people who had book smarts, but they could not make it in the real world. They had just amazing knowledge, but they were awful when it came to real world uh, situations and vice versa. We know people that were had some street smarts, but they they couldn't spell their name if they had to. Right. They had limited knowledge. But when you mix those two and you have knowledge and you have street smarts, now you have understanding Last week, we talked about trusting God always. We learned that without trust, nothing else matters. Okay, Without trust in a friendship, without trust in a marriage, without trust in a church, without trust in your relationship with God, nothing else matters. Trust is not something that is freely given. Trust is earned by your behavior. You could say till you are blue in the face, trust me. But that trust will not be earned until you prove it with your actions, until you prove it with your behavior. We have to prove ourselves to be faithful, and then our trust won't be taken lightly. God, He can be trusted. You can trust Him with your life. You can trust Him with your future, with your finances. You can trust Him with your children. You can trust Him with your job situation, with your lack of resources. You can trust Him with your grief. You can trust Him because He has proven Himself. God's track record, okay? God's history is perfect. He has proven Himself to be faithful. He has been faithful all throughout the ages. He has proven that He can be trusted. So today, 
We're focusing on giving God your best. Hopefully when you walked in, you got a little bulletin, and on the back of the bulletin is some notes. And uh, yes, I sound like a broken record, but why in the world would you come to church if you're not trying to get something from God? You're not trying to hear something from God. So take some notes, learn, try to get something, try to hear from Him. Um, So uh, use those notes. Today we're focusing on giving God... Your best. And we're in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part. Okay? Underline, circle that, those two words, best part. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then... He will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. It can be said many different different ways. Okay, we could put it a bunch of different ways. Give God your best. We could say it this way. We could say, love God with all of your heart. We could say, go all in. We could say it this way. Be a living sacrifice. This morning, I have just chosen to say, give God your best. Give Him your best. Now, let me ask the question, why should we? Why should we give God our very best? Why should we give God the cream off the top? There's very many reasons, but I am going to look a little bit closer into one reason, which leads to the big idea for today. The big idea that I want you to walk away with today is that God can never be in second place. He's never second. Ever. This is called the preeminence of God. So, God is higher than all. He is above all. He's first of all. He will always be first. God cannot be second. So, please hear me on this. When you give God the best part, when He is first in your life, everything else in your life comes into order. I'm not saying that you'll never have difficulty or never go through hard times, but your life will be in order. Your life will be full of purpose when you give God your best part. But if you're not giving God the best part, everything is out of order. I want to give you this morning just a brief tutorial about the principle of the best part. This is a principle that is all throughout Scripture. And I want to give you just... We're going to talk about this very briefly. And you veterans here at Grace Church, you've heard this before. But many of you, this will be the first time that you've heard this. So I'm going to quickly talk about the principle of the best part. The principle of the best part. And then we're going to talk about this uh, this principle and how it plays out in your life. We're going to look at practical ways of how it plays out in your life. So I'm going to start in Exodus chapter 13 in verse 1. And it says, sanctify. Okay, that's a word you hear in church, right? Sanctify. That's a big fancy word that means to set aside. Sanctify unto me all the firstborn whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel. We're in Exodus 13 verse 1. Both of man and of beast... It is mine. This is God speaking. Now this phrase, it is mine, is very strong language in the Hebrew. And it means, 
It belongs to me. God is saying, it's mine. It's my property. It's not yours. It's mine. You say, man, that sounds kind of possessive. He's God. And He says, it's mine. Take it up with Him. The Hebrew fa- phrase is in this, uh, in this book, the Word of God, multiple times. He says, the first belongs to me. Now let's skip down to verses 12 and 13 in the same chapter of Exodus 13. This is God speaking. He says, You shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Verse 13, Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. In other words, you're going to lose it anyway. If you don't give God your best. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. This is the principle of the best part. The firstborn is sacrificed or redeemed. So, very practically, if you were a rancher and you had animals, when your animal had a firstborn, if it was a clean animal, you had to sacrifice that animal to the Lord, the firstborn. If it was an unclean animal, you had to redeem it with the sacrifice of a clean animal. So that's why he uses a lamb representing a clean animal, and he uses a donkey representing an unclean animal. So what, what does this have to do with us today? Okay, Let me just remind you that everything in Scripture is, is practical for us. It, it's, it's a lesson for us to learn. It's, it's a lesson for us to apply to our lives. So what does this have to do with us today? Now remember, if the animal is clean, it has to be sacrificed. If the animal is unclean, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean animal. What does this mean? So let me ask you a couple questions okay, to help us understand this. Let me ask you, were you and I, were you and I, and I'm talking about our spiritual condition now, Were you and I born clean or unclean? You can say it louder if you want to. Okay. We were born unclean. I agree with you. The Bible says that we were all born into sin. We were all sinners. There is no parent on planet earth that has to sit down and teach their children to do wrong. It just comes naturally. We were born unclean. It comes naturally to us because we're born with the sin nature. We're all born unclean. So the second question is this. Was Jesus born clean or unclean? A little bit louder. All right, all right, all right. Trying to bring you with me, all right? We're going to stay awake today. He was born clean. Okay, listen to me, listen. Don't ever forget what I'm about to tell you. The clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. That's what we just read. It was foretold, it was told to us all the way back in the book of Exodus. The clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. I'm going to take it even further, okay? 
Remember, Jesus is God's firstborn. Jesus is God's best part. Jesus is God's tithe. This is the principle of the best part. God said, you give me the first or the best part in faith, and I will bless the rest. This is why I say that Jesus is God's best part, because God didn't wait to see if we would clean ourselves up. He said, He didn't say, hey, when you guys are clean, you know, and you're righteous, and you stop screwing up, then I'm going to send Jesus. No, He sent Jesus while we were still messed up. The Bible puts it this way, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for us when we were mocking Him, when we were spitting in His face, when we were nailing Him to a cross. He still loved us. And He still said, Father, forgive them. Because they don't have a clue what they're doing. In the book of Romans, it says that God gave Jesus in hope that we would believe. It it, it blows my mind, and, and honestly, sometimes I have a hard time teaching this or communicating because I don't fully understand, but my best understanding of this is that God Himself practiced living by faith. He gave Jesus in hope that we would believe. It's crazy. This is a challenging principle, but let me just say, if you want to grow in your faith, this principle has to be embraced. We can't wait to see if God is going to bless us and then give our best. We can't say, hey, pastor, you know what? I'm going to wait and see if God blesses me, and then I'm going to give my best. I'm going to give my all to Him. That, that's not faith. Faith is this. I'm going to give my very best. I'm going to give my best part. For example, I'm going to give the best part or the first portion of my income. And I have faith knowing that's what triggers the rest to be blessed. You know, that's why at Grace Church here, we're not afraid to do what we call a 90-day tithe challenge. 90-day tithe challenge. You tithe for 90 days, and if you don't see God come through in a miraculous way in your finances, in your life, we'll give you your money back. Why why would you do this? Why would you do this? First of all, because I am not interested in messing around or playing games. But the main reason why we do this is because in the book of Malachi, God says, in this area, He says, test me. Test me. And this is just the best idea that we have right now to take Him up on His word and to test Him. God, we want people to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. God wants to bless you. But you know what? You have to take a step of faith. The only place in the Bible where God says you can test Him is in Malachi chapter 3. And I believe God's Word, personally, I believe God's Word is 100% true. 
And so I'm not afraid to take him up on this challenge. Nowhere else in Scripture are we given permission to test God, but in the area of the best part, God says, test me. Malachi 3.10, let me read it to you. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse or the church, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, if you do, that's big, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. All right. You're like, man, I've been shoveling snow for the, like the last 48 hours, and now you're going to talk to me about the best part? Okay. I made a commitment a long time ago as a pastor... I'm not going to be afraid to preach God's Word as it is to men and women as they are. So brace yourself. Because here's the hard truth. Many people, they stall out in their faith right here on this principle. They don't trust God with the best part. They don't trust Him enough to give Him the cream off the top. They don't trust Him with the best part. They don't trust God with their money. They don't believe God will keep His Word. They don't want to surrender control to God. Giving God the best part will never make sense until you give the best part. Look at what happens when you give the best part. Okay, This is Malachi chapter 3 still. I read verse 10. Now we're going to read verse 11. If you test Him in this area, look at verse 11. It says, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Giving the best part rebukes the devourer. Giving your best part, you're telling the enemy, I trust God. And it rebukes the devourer. Every time, that's that's the way life works, right? I had this day yesterday. Every time you think you're about to get ahead, something else breaks, right? My plow truck got stuck, and it got really stuck. So stuck I had to bust out a chainsaw, I had to get the truck jack. Um, I had to call on my dad to help bring his truck to pull me out. I mean, everything seemed to be going wrong. But you know what? Then, I, let's see, the, the Bronco, then it died and it, and it wouldn't start. And it just seemed like one thing after another. Man, that's the way life works sometimes. Sometimes you're, you feel like you're being devoured. Every time you think you're getting ahead, something else breaks down. But giving the best part, it breaks the curse off of your life. We live in a world that's cursed. And let me just be very clear. God is not the one that's cursing us, okay? I want you to understand that. The world is cursed because of sin, because of our wrongdoing. That's what brought the curse. God is not cursing us. He wants to redeem us out from under the curse. And that includes our finances. That includes Every aspect, every area of our life. 
So the firstborn is sacrificed. The firstborn is redeemed. And this principle goes throughout, all throughout Scripture. Let's read Proverbs 3 again, verses 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then He will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. I had a crazy day yesterday, but you know what? The Bronco ran out of gas. The gas gauges broke, so I had no clue how much gas was in there. The Bronco ran out of gas right when I pulled into a parking spot on Main Street. It could have ran out of gas on 160, right in the middle of the interstate. But instead, it ran out of gas right in a parking spot. My chains on my tire, I came and I plowed this uh, dirt parking lot over here. The chains on my tires broke. It broke right in the parking lot of the church. It could have broke when I was on Florida Road, or it could have done damage to the truck. So yes, things were going wrong, but I still believe that God was allowing those wrong things to happen at just the right time so that he, the devourer wasn't devouring me. It was just some rough circumstances. But because I've been faithful, I believe in the best part, God was still watching over me, even in the rough day, even in the hardships. How does this principle, the principle of the best part, how does it play out in, in real life? Okay, I've been, I've been talking about money a little bit, but let me, let me talk about a completely different subject. I, when I was a freshman in high school, I uh, got a job, and uh, I take that back. I went for an interview for a job. Okay, freshman in high school, I went for an interview, and I was trying to uh, get a job bussing tables. I just needed to make some extra cash to pay for fuel for my car, for insurance, and... Uh, so I went to Lori's Family Dining, all right? Durangatangs know exactly what that is. Um, I went to Lori's Family Dining, and after the interview, I was offered the job. But I quickly realized that I was scheduled to work on Sundays. Okay? So, thankfully, I grew up in a, in a godly home with parents that I greatly respect, and they had taught me about the principle of the best part. My parents had taught me the principle of the best part. And Sundays is the best part of my week. It's the first day of the week. It's the cream off the top. And I had just committed, man, that day is yours, God. That's the day that I set aside for worship with other believers. That's the day I set aside to spend time with my family, to rest. And so I had this conflict man, I could take this job and get some much-needed cash so I have some fuel for my car, or I can honor God and say, thanks but no thanks, because I set this day aside. I'm giving God the best part. So I went back to the manager and I said, man, I would love to have this job, honestly, but it's on one condition. And I'm not by any means trying to tell you what to do. You do what you need to do, but... This is for me. I'll work for you, but I can't work on Sundays. You can't schedule me on Sundays. I'll work any other day of the week, and I will work hard. 
and I will do my best to help you and this, this business succeed. I will work hard, but I'm not going to work on Sundays. In the back of my head, honestly, I was thinking, I'm a freshman in high school, I was thinking, you're an idiot, man. You're never going to get the job now. You're never going to get the job. A couple days passed. I got a call from the manager, and he offered me the job. He offered me the job. And I made millions, okay? <laughs> Bussing tables at Lori's Family Dining, right? No. I did work there for the next three years, and I was able to use that job to pay for car insurance and fuel. And, and I actually had extra money when I went off to college to pay for some of the extra expenses, but... That was just one little tiny decision. An example I'm trying to share with you about giving God the best part. I'm trying to help you to say, man, when you have this conflict of interest in what your flesh wants to do, you know, what, what you desire, and there's money involved, or there's success, and, but God is saying, hey, give me the best part. Always turn down your flesh and success and money. If there's a conflict of interest, and give God the best part. In whatever situation that is, always. It will work out better for you. It will always work out better for you. Let's consider a couple other ways you can give God the best part. What about giving God the best part of your day? How does that look? For many... It means the first thing they do in the morning is they roll out of bed and they get directly on their knees and they spend time in prayer. God, I'm giving you the best part of my day. I'm thinking about you first. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to spend time in your word. That's how it can look in giving God the best part of your day. I know some other people, some young people, they made the commitment. I'm just trying to give you a few ideas to kind of get the creativity working in your mind. But some people that I know, they, they made the commitment to go to a Bible college or to go to seminary for one year before they started their undergraduate studies. Man, they had dreams and goals. Like, I want to I wanna do this. I know I want to do this with my career, with my life. But God, I'm going to commit the first year. I'm going to go... To seminary. I'm going to just go and see what happens. I'm going to give you the best part. That's why we do child dedications here at Grace Church. There's nothing more that I value in this life other than my wife. There's nothing more that I value than my children. But I have dedicated all four of them to the Lord. Which sometimes there's a conflict of interest, to be honest with you, because there's things I want for them, and I have surrendered those desires to say, God, whatever it is you want, whatever it is you want, I have surrendered them to you. Come on, man. Money is such a, just a small stepping stone. But so many people get so hung up on money, they miss out on the bigger things. Money is it's unrighteous, ma'am, and it's 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 nothing compared to the value of my boys. 
But sometimes God says, hey, you got to take a little baby step. I'm going to test you in this area of money. Man, trust me with your money because you know what? I'm actually going to ask for you and your family as well. I'm getting a little emotional because, man, there's been times where I've had this conflict and I say, man, I don't know if I want my boys to be in ministry. I would much rather, God, that they do something else. Because it's hard. And sometimes the rewards are fuzzy. But man, God has been showing me, church. Hey, trust me. Trust me. The lure of success and the lure of careers. And man, we, we need them, right? Someone can be a janitor and be just as holy and righteous and faithful as a pastor. Man, everything is needed. It's going to play out in different ways and different lives, but you've got to give God the best part. Remember, God is never in second place. One other example, quickly. If you've gone to Farmington lately, I know when we go to Farmington, we always stop at Chick-fil-A. Okay, that's just what we do. All right, my wife loves it. I don't really understand it. It's a piece of chicken with two pickles. You know, it's like, what is the big deal? But Chick-fil-A. Okay, here's an example. This company made the decision to close operations on Sundays. And if you read the story, it's pretty cool. But this company, you know, Truett Cathy, he was the founder. He had all kinds of criticism. And he had a lot of counsel, a lot of people telling him, you can't do this. In the restaurant arena, you cannot shut down any time. You, know, you can't shut down on Sundays. You're going to lose millions of dollars. But Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, he gave this reason for his decision to close on Sundays. And this is directly from... Uh, a direct quote from him. It says, All franchised Chick-fil-A operators and restaurant employees should have an opportunity to rest, to spend time with family and friends, and worship if they choose to do so. That's why we close on Sundays. He honored God with the best part. And I think Chick-fil-A has done pretty well. I'm just trying to give some examples, okay? It can look different in your life and in your arena and in whatever area that you're living out. But I want to ask, how can you honor God with the best part? How does that look for you? And it will be a step of faith, but I encourage you to take that step. On your notes there, I just wanted to to give a few examples as we're kind of wrapping things up here. I wanted to give a few examples of what this principle, the best part, what it looks like in the New Testament. Okay? Um, Let's consider just a couple verses. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. And you'll kind of notice a theme here. In the Old Testament, it was the firstborn, or the tenth, or the best part. But kind of look what happens in the New Testament. Something changes here. Matthew 22, 37-40. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all. 
Okay, circle the word all. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Do you see an increase? This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Look at Romans 6 and verse 13. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely. Okay, circle the word completely. Give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole. Okay, underline that circle the word whole body. Not just a part of it, but your whole body as an instrument to do what is right to the glory of God. Let's look at one more. 1 John 3.16 We know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. It didn't say love the Lord your God with a tenth of your heart or with a tenth of your soul or with a tenth of your mind. He said love God with all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your heart. Some people get so hung up on, in the churchy term, is legalism. They get very legalistic about this tenth or about this principle. I guess what what I want to encourage you with is give God everything. Give Him all, and then you don't have to be legalistic. Because He has it all. You're like clay in the potter's hand and He can mold you and He can shape you and He can create any type of vessel that He wants. But, man, that is difficult because my flesh, and I know your flesh, wants to do the exact opposite. I want control. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to surrender. Who wants to surrender? But that's what it takes to give God your best. I'm going to finish this morning with just a couple questions, hopefully to uh, just provoke some thought and some direction for you. But the first question is, is what do you value the most? Think about it just, just briefly. Some of us, you know, for me, it's my wife, my children, it's my family. You know, it's quickly I can think of that. Second to that, it's my friends, you know. Um, but what do you value the most? Maybe it looks different. And then I would follow that up with, is there anything in your life that you wouldn't be willing to give to God if He asked for it? If there's something that you wouldn't be willing to give to God, you have just identified an idol in your life. Because that's what God intends. He wants you to be so surrendered to Him That nothing is in the way of your and His relationship. The last question I would ask this morning is, what's one step that you can take this week to give God your best? 
your very best. Maybe it starts with setting an alarm. And when that alarm goes off, not pushing snooze, but getting up, getting on your knees, and say, I don't even really know how to do this, but I'm just going to pray. And God, I'm, I'm trying to give you my very best. Maybe that's where it starts. What's one step that you can take this week to give God your best? Let me just remind us, the progression of this message series has been intentional in the book of Proverbs. We talked about getting wisdom. It starts with God. Everybody's excited. Yes, I want to get wisdom. I'm going to pursue God. But then you begin to read some hard things and some principles. and You begin to read things where you have to take action steps or you have to take steps of faith. And now you have to say, okay, I've been pursuing wisdom, but now I have to trust God. Do you trust God with your money? Do you trust God with your family? Do you trust God with your future? Get all the wisdom you can by seeking after God. Trust Him. And then give Him your very best. Let's close in prayer this morning. Father God, thank You for this church. Thank You for these people.